0: Who's in control? It's a great question. It's one we all have to answer. And the answer is not static. In other words, when we answer that question, it might change just like that. Who's in control? I just got to be honest with you that in my life, and I would say in the lives of saints uh, throughout the world, this has been an issue. Who's in control? These moments where we're just on the doorsteps of victory and we take control back and deal with the agony of defeat. Who's in control? If you want to think about it as a kingdom, and let's just go ahead and start with God's kingdom. Let's just say that this is God's kingdom. We have some choices to make. And I think you'll see it. If that's God's kingdom... His reign, His rule. There are some who are above it, or at least perceive themselves to be. And they may talk down of God's rule and reign. Uh, that's something my grandparents did. That's something for somebody else. That was, that was the way it used to be before we had science. There are lots of ways that that spells out. But that's someone who is above or believes that they're above the kingdom of God. There's another. And that's being beside the kingdom of God, as if we're equals, to say that, okay, uh, Jesus, you're great, you're wonderful, as long as you're not asking anything of me specifically, as long as I don't have to get uncomfortable, you're great, yes, people should follow you, there are wonderful principles in the scriptures that we should learn and maybe even adhere to, but again, it's about comfort, and then there are another group. And those who have surrendered to the authority of God's kingdom. This rule and reign of God. And it's that rule and reign that I want to challenge us today to address in our own lives. To stay in that position of uh, submission to God's kingdom. It's not easy. Uh, But the cross wasn't easy. And we're choosing to follow God. So we're going to choose to follow a life that is not easy. That's just the reality. But it's good, and it's true, and it's right, and it's within the purpose that God has designed us for, and the glory that we're to give him can only be lived out in this position of surrender to God's kingdom. We're in Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go there. I have thrown a curve at our uh, tech team, so I'm just going to confess that, and if there are any frustrations, please direct those at Matt. Um, But, but, uh, sincerely, you'll notice black marker this time, easier to read, Uh, and additionally, uh, we're trying to keep that up on the screens uh, as we go. So hang in there with me. But I'll be jumping from that screen to the scriptures from time to time, and that transition might be a little bit tricky. Again, that's my fault. They're trying to stay up with me, uh, and uh, I apologize. So, uh, friends, deal with it. It's going to be okay. All right. We're in Mark chapter 1, and last week we got to see... This revelation of Jesus. Love the way Mark chapter 1 starts says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says everything that we need to know about the direction that we're going. This is the good news. What is the good news? The good news is Jesus specifically. Why is he the good news? Because he takes us out of this kingdom of the flesh and into this kingdom of God. As we surrender to him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can live a life that is holy and victorious and dedicated to the glory of God. And we see that right from the very beginning of Mark in this series. You're going to see that uh, Jesus, as he is being revealed, is going to call us to a variety of things. And we'll see that in just a a few moments as we jump into verse 14. But before we go there, I want to talk about a couple of things to kind of set up this mentality for us. So that we can know um, maybe how to think through some things as they come up in the passage. One of those things that I want you to consider is kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? uh, Sometimes that can be a little bit abstract in our world, especially on the side of the pond. We don't have kings and queens and royalty and stuff like that. So it's it's a little bit fuzzy. So I'm going to use a different phrase or term. Rule of God or reign of God. Rule or reign of God. Think in those terms. This is God's rule or God's reign in my life. Okay, so kingdom of God, ruler, reign of God, consider that as we read through this passage. Additionally, the term disciple. This, this has become a term that we use in the West, and it just kind of means somebody who follows Jesus ish. <laughs> well, that's not what it was intended to mean. The term disciple was a very specific position, and it was a position of honor. Not everybody got to be a disciple. Just, and in fact, even in the New Testament, there are several times where someone asks to be a disciple, and Jesus actually turns them away. So a disciple is not just uh, expected. It was something that you were invited into, or rather received into. The general practice was this, that as a young person, generally around 12 to 13 years old, the student would go to a rabbi, a teacher of the law, and say, Rabbi, as you are, so I want to become. May I follow you? And if the rabbi thought you were particularly smart, uh, particularly gifted, then he would say, come, follow me. And that was the call. Now, the idea there is that the rabbi is saying to a student, as I am, you can become. As I understand and follow Torah you too will have the opportunity to understand and follow Torah, to live it out. 613 rules that in some cases are somewhat ambiguous. How do you honor your father and mother day to day? What does that look like? How do you, how do you guard the Sabbath and keep it holy? And so on and so on. These rabbis had answers to that and they would teach their students. And it was a very difficult thing. In this respect, it was the disciples' responsibility to follow the rabbi. So, what does that mean? That means that in the morning they had to find the rabbi. Uh, They had to get there before the rabbi had taken off. And the rabbi wasn't, you know, sending text messages to let them know ahead of time always, right? Like, you kind of got to do your work. It wasn't just easy for the disciples. And it was, it was intended that way. In fact, sometimes the rabbi in their teaching, they would say things about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, and they would follow it up. And then the, the students would stand up and they'd begin to walk. And as they began to walk, they would talk about the teaching that they had just gotten. And they may be two miles, five miles down the road, and one of the students doesn't get the answer right. Guess what that rabbi would do? About face. And we would go back to that spot, two miles, five miles, the students would sit back down. And he'd teach the whole lesson all over again. And then they'd get up, and they'd march out. And if they didn't get the answer right, guess what? They went back until they could get the answer right. How would you like that If uh, uh, if... if Every Sunday, we went through that same thing. Okay, let's talk about the message from last week. Or I don't even remember what that was. Okay, well, we're doing it all again. I have a feeling we would shrink a little bit, right? Like, yeah, I heard that one. Um, But the disciples didn't do that. They were surrendered to the rabbi, as he is, so I want to become. Not because the rabbi was um, mystical, high and exalted, but the rabbi was was living out the scriptures in such a way that they too wanted to live it out. Being called a holy people, separated, that the nations would look at Israel and see the God of Israel and learn to respond in faith. It was the responsibility of each person to understand the word of God and respond in faith to the word of God. And so we see this practiced in the New Testament, and we see this actually extended throughout church history that we too are disciples and called to this word. So when we use terms like disciple, it's not just a flippant, oh yeah, I took a 12-week Sunday school class, or yeah, there was something after church and we had a meal, it was awesome, and at the end I graduated and poof, I'm a disciple now. It's not quite like that there is an expectation and a commitment to follow the Lord so closely that we are living out, or what we'll learn is fulfilling the Word of God, doing what it says. So with that in mind, we are going to start in verse 14, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and we're going to walk through uh, to verse 28 together. So if you Uh, If you have your Bibles, again, I want to encourage you to use that. If it's on your phone, go ahead and use it on your phone. Because of me going back and forth, we may not always have access to the Scriptures on the board, so you'll want to follow along here. All right. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Let's jump in. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Just as a reminder, John is the forerunner. He is preparing the way. He's preparing the way, verse 15, and saying, The time is fulfilled. It's been accomplished. The things have been done. And the kingdom of God, the rule or reign of God, is at hand. And then he says, Repent and believe in the gospel. Let let me pause there and focus on this um, verse 15. As As we identified last week, That when sin entered the world, it became a plague. And this plague is the kingdom. The kingdom of the flesh, sometimes the kingdom of the earth, sometimes the kingdom of humankind. Uh, We see it uh, mentioned in those kind of terms. It's the world that we swim in. Uh, We don't really know any different because basically that is what we've primarily seen. It's revealed itself in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We categorize those things as uh, satisfaction, significance, and security. Those things dominate this kingdom of the flesh. In other words, how how can I remain satisfied? What satisfies me? That's what I want. And whether that's food we're talking about or whether that's Uh, sexual intimacy, or whether that is uh, money, all of those things can be satisfaction or lust of the flesh. Additionally, there's lust of the eyes, significance. And those things can be a draw for us, and because we swim in that world, and that's really all we have seen lived out around us, and our flesh is drawn to that, we see this, I want to be somebody, I I want people to know me. I want people to hear me. And maybe that's letters after my name or before my name. Uh, I want to be known. I want to be significant. I want to matter. And I want to matter is separated from I want to matter to God. I want to be surrendered to him. And then security. Security. I am more concerned about am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Then What does God have for me? Then what does God have for me? You're going to see in the next few verses some young men break out of the kingdom of the flesh and into the kingdom of God. And you're going to watch them uh, move in that direction as Jesus calls out to them. As you see that, I want to challenge us to consider our own lives and where we're at. Am I walking in the kingdom of the flesh, satisfaction, security, and significance, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Or am I walking in the spirit of God, in the kingdom of God, his rule and reign in my life? Am I acting as if I'm above God's kingdom, beside God's kingdom, or am I surrendered to his rule and reign in my life? With that in mind, let's look now uh, in verse 16. Passing alongside... The Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Simon is later called Peter, and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. I'm gonna tell you one of the big surprises towards the end of John is that Peter returns to fishing. You're gonna see in just a moment his call to Christ. And then the surprise at the end of, uh, of, of the Gospel of John that he goes back to fishing. It's a big no-no. Uh, maybe we'll get there today. We'll see. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. If you have your Bible there, I want to encourage you to underline that uh, Jesus statement. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. He's going to engage these men, and they're going to have to make some decisions. And that's where Jesus often starts, is in our mind, in our head. For Jesus, it's follow me. It's a statement even. It's not a question. Hey, would you please? Hey, we'll make it really easy if you follow me. He doesn't do that. He just simply says, follow me. And there is a mental decision that has to occur. Will I follow Jesus? Will will I do what he calls me to do? Will I surrender to his authority in my life? Or is Jesus just a really good guy? Has some good teachings that occasionally I can follow. For Andrew and Simon, they have to make a decision. Jesus' statement continues, follow me and I will make you. It's an interesting statement because Jesus is dealing with a transformation. I will make you, he says. It's the work of Christ to transform hearts. Follow me and I will make you. In this discipleship process, there is a trust that I have for the Lord and that he's going to make me. He's going to do a work in my life. The person that I start And my followership of Jesus is going to be different as we continue on. Because there's a transformation that occurs that I can't do. I can't make my heart better. I can't transform my heart. I can pretend. I can act. I can fake it. I can do those kind of things, but that's all of the flesh. Jesus is the one who transforms the heart. From our head, will I follow Jesus to my heart now? I'm choo- or Jesus is doing a work in me, a transformative work uh, that maybe will take some time, but it's going to require my surrender. I'm not above God's kingdom and I'm not beside God's kingdom. I'm surrendered to his reign and rule in my life. And as I surrender to that, he transforms my heart. And I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men, that's on mission with Jesus. Uh, he has a plan. This isn't, uh, Simon Peter. It's, it's not Andrew's plan. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, let's see. Jesus, I'll follow you as long as you lead me to be a better fisherman. I just really need to be a better fisherman, Jesus. If you can make that happen, I will follow you. That's not what he's saying. Jesus' mission is to be fishers of men. And that goes to his hands. What are we saying here? We're saying that this transformation is beyond information. It's not just about what I know, but about who's transforming my life. And as that person, Jesus, is transforming my life, there is a change in my actions, or rather a dedication to my actions. Head, heart, hands. There's a transformation in this discipleship process. Let's continue on in that because uh, it's, it's really interesting in verse uh, eighteen, in verse eighteen, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. They don't—they don't have to just surrender their their lives. They're also surrendering their jobs. For them to follow Jesus, they have to put their nets down. They're fishermen. They're fishermen, and they supply food for people. I want you to know that one of the things that uh, they're going to have to deal with in the days to come is the lack of food. I'll know, Jesus, maybe if you would have let me keep fishing, we'd have food. But you didn't. You called me to follow you. They surrender their nets. For them, they recognize to be obedient to the Lord, to uh, uh, to be in his kingdom, they're going to have to put their nets down, their jobs. Now, I, I want to say this, that uh, this issue of jobs, what I am not saying is, you all need to quit your jobs and become pastors, become missionaries. That's not what I'm saying. At the same time, that might be what the Spirit is saying to you. And if that's the case, you should surrender to that. Uh, yesterday, I was at Crown College. Uh, that's where I graduated uh, with my bachelor's. I was there, and I saw a guy I hadn't seen in a very long time. He was, uh, when I was in school, he was dynamic. He was very encouraging. You could just see the spirit of God kind of at work in him. He was very talented. And he went into business, and I was always like, why don't you surrender to God, man? What, what is going on? Well, I want to tell you, he is now the VP of sales at the business that he works in. And God has blessed him, and he has surrendered his profession to the Lord. God has used his profession for him to minister to others in significant ways. So, again, for clarity, as we surrender to discipleship in Jesus, that can be the profession you're currently in. But Jesus wants to use it. For these disciples, they had to put their nets down and follow him, and that's what they did. Let's continue to look at the scriptures here. Because this, this matter of jobs, that, that can be a tough one. What if the people that you work with don't agree with you? What if, what if you offend somebody? What if, um, what if you, are, you, you actually wound somebody? Ugh. Like, these things are real. But for the disciples, it was worth it. And I would suggest for us as well. It is worth it. Let's continue on. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee. And John, this brother, uh, his brother, who were in their boats, mending the nets. Oh, kind of a similar situation. Here are a couple of fishermen. And what happens? And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So again, they follow Jesus. But did you notice what they had to do for Simon and Andrew? They have to leave their nets. Because this is a matter of their job, their profession. This is how they, they make their income. This is where they got their security, perhaps even. And they have to put those nets down. But what is it for John and James? What did they leave? They left their father, their family. And sometimes this is also needed to be surrendered cuz you know who loves your family more than you god <laughs> you know who can take care of your family better than you god i'm not that's not the sunday school answer like that's that's real it's a dynamic difference with the kingdom of the world you need to figure this out you need to deal with this you need to you need to you need to no you know what we're going to be obedient to god and we're going to trust him For James and John, they had to say, Dad, Father Zebedee, Jesus is calling us, and we want to be obedient to him. And apparently, they're blessed to do so, and they're willing to leave their family to follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus reminds us, unless we're willing to put all things down, we're not worthy to be called his disciples. And this is the work of Christ. And guess what? God's kingdom can cover those things. God is big enough to cover all of those things. But it's bigger than that. And this passage moves into kind of another realm. There's the kingdom of man, but there's also a spiritual uh, dynamic that's occurring. And we're going to talk about that uh, as we jump into uh, this next verse, starting in verse 21. It says this, And they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished. Ooh, there's that astonished for those of you who are going to camp. There's that word. They were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as scribes. Uh, I'm I'm not going to get in the weeds on this one, but it it is important for us to uh, identify it. In the New Testament, when they use the term authority, referring to somebody, they're talking about their ordination. Their ordination, they have the authority to do something. Specifically, what they have the authority to do is to come up with a legal action for the Scripture. So in other words, how do you fulfill a Scripture? Well, they have the authority to rule on that. So for you to honor your father and mother is to do this. For you to uh, protect the Sabbath is to do this. They have a legal stance uh, in in ruling on the scriptures. So Jesus has given a special ordination by the Father to do just that. And they're amazed at his authority. Jesus isn't the only one who has authority, but he is someone who has special authority and it is very clear to the people. By the way, if you didn't have this authority, then it would be like this. You might say, according to Rabbi Yeshua, we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Always referring to their rabbi. They don't have the ability to teach on a subject and give a ruling. That's not their responsibility. That is the rabbi who has the ordination to do so. If you serve under a rabbi who has that ordination, then you're quoting that rabbi. Jesus has that unique uh, authority. Let's continue on. Verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, uh, what I want to say about this is this. When we talk about these matters of um, possession, I want to use a little different term. We're going to call it demonization. Demonization, it's a spectrum. So we don't talk about this a lot in evangelical churches. I recognize that, but we're going to today because guess what? It's in the scriptures and Jesus talks about it. And his kingdom deals with it. So we have depression, we have oppression, and we have possession. And there are some varieties in there. But uh, depression might be from the outside lies that the devil may, may give you. Things that uh, he wants you to believe about yourself that aren't true. It's not that you were made in God's image. It's that you were fill in the blank. Uh, It's that you're worthless. It's that nobody cares about you. It's that that can be a type of demonic depression. Oppression is kind of taking the next step. It's when you are engaged, right? So you're engaged in doing things that aren't in the kingdom of God. You're actively pursuing the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You're actively uh, going down those roads of satisfaction, security, and significance apart from Christ. And you'll notice that nothing you're doing is successful in a kingdom way. In God's kingdom sort of way. And you feel that oppression a dark cloud that's around you. And then there's possession, and that's what we see in this passage. But all of these things are centered around something. I want to give us another word. Influence. It's centered around influence. What is influencing us? What is influencing this man? For this man, he's being influenced by the Spirit. By the way, the way that this could read would also this unclean spirit could also have to do with the way that we're thinking it's connected to our mind this unclean spirit can also connect to our mind and so this demonization is a spectrum of meaning and it it could again deal with depression oppression possession And it is the influence in our lives. And that that word influence is the key that I want us to grab a hold of uh, as we move forward through this passage. And then clean spirit, or I'm sorry, let me back up. Um, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So even the demons know who he is. But Jesus rebukes him saying, be silent and come out of him and the unclean spirit convulsing convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Jesus has authority over the demonic as well. Whether we're talking about depression, oppression or possession, we know that Jesus has authority over those things. The kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God. God has authority. And they were all amazed So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? With that ordination? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This section of the scripture started with Jesus' proclamation in his ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel, that we're walking in one direction and convinced that that's the wrong direction. That is the direction of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I need to repent, to turn away from that and turn towards God and his work, his kingdom, to be not walking beside or above, but surrendered to this Christ. What is the gospel? It's good news. It's the good news that we don't have to live in the kingdom of the flesh. It's good news that there is life and that life is eternal and that life meets us right now in God's kingdom, his rule and reign in our life where we are created in his image and for his purpose to glorify him and we experience him in that place. In just a few moments, I'm going to come down to this area the worship team's going to come out, and as they come out, and as uh, we prepare for this next section, you may be saying, you know what? I need to repent and believe. I, I've never surrendered to Jesus as my Savior. I've been doing it on my own. Today is your day, and I want to encourage you to be brave and to come forward. For others of you, you may be going, you know what? It's it's not that I haven't surrendered to Jesus. It's just that I kind of play in both kingdoms. I kind of do both. Eh, Sometimes I'm under, I'm surrendered, but a lot of times I'm, I'm living in this influence where I'm struggling with, maybe even uh, you're struggling with depression or oppression, maybe possession. And God wants to do a work and draw you out of that kingdom and into his kingdom. I'll be here. I, I, I want to pray with you, and I want to encourage you to be brave and come forward if that's for you. Let's look at these questions. As the worship team comes out, which kingdom are you in? That's not a static answer, right? Like, oh, I'm always in the kingdom of God. Well, yeah, but there's also this temptation to go back to the other kingdom. Which kingdom are you in? The goal is for us to be under God's authority. What do you need to leave to follow Jesus for Andrew and Simon? They had to leave their nets. You know what? This is getting in the way of me following you, Jesus. I'm laying that down, and I'm following you. For James and John, it was their father, their family. Yeah, I'm I'm in this. We're working together. And until he's willing to step away, he's not going to follow God the way that Jesus has called him to as a disciple. So what is it for you? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a worldview that you've been holding on to, this worldview of the world that uh, we, we need to surrender to God. What is that? And then what influence dominates you and your decisions? Is there an influence that is drawing you away from God's kingdom and into the kingdom of the world, kingdom of the flesh? And maybe it's just uh, TikTok <laughs> scrolling endlessly through that. Maybe it's YouTube. Maybe it's binging something that uh, that you're binging on online. Maybe, It's relationships that are speaking lies into your life. Maybe, what is it? What is it that is influencing you that may be keeping you from God's kingdom, from living in that place? Well, friends, we have some things to chew on. Uh, Again, this is part of the reason that we moved communion around so that we would have some time to address these matters. And so, again today, if you have a sense, I need to surrender to Jesus as my Lord, come meet me up front. Or maybe you're saying, I I need victory over the darkness and walk in his wonderful light. Come meet me up front, and we'll spend some time in prayer. Would you join me as we pray even now? Lord God, we love you, and we need you. We thank you and praise you for your word, and it's true, and it's good. We also confess that Everything around us points us to the kingdom of the flesh, the kingdom of this world, to sin and death. And it's a trap, and we get trapped in it, Lord. Forgive us. But you are calling us to follow you. You are calling us to to follow you, that you would make us fishers of men, being disciples. And so, Lord, I... Pray for your kingdom work in our lives as we surrender to your rule and reign. Be exalted for it's in Jesus Christ precious and holy, holy name we pray. Amen.